Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for a weekend video for the week ending September 17, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. The purpose of this weekend video is to get out the variety of schematics that the market can possibly take over the next few days. We began talking about this yesterday, and I think it's important to reiterate and make sure we're all on the same page in terms of the possible schematics, how we know what's right, how we know what's wrong, where are the numbers. Let's get a handle on the tape. The first thing we're going to do is see what's jumping off the page at us based on the daily chart. We had an important number on the screen. It was important for several days over and over again. 445.14, it served its purpose. It's no longer of interest. Sometimes we have those numbers that repeat over and over and over again. They last for several days or even in some cases a couple of weeks, but eventually they disappear in terms of their importance. We don't need that one anymore. We've got other stuff to worry about. In the last video, we started talking about the fact that this pullback looks different than the rest. These are the pullbacks that we continuously reference every single day, and the reason is because we're going to have the same thing until we're not, or it begins to appear different. So based on the prior pullbacks, it's really the same routine. We still have, at least until we don't, higher lows in place. There's a low, here's a higher low, higher low, higher low, and we're still in the camp of a higher low until and unless they breach the former low and close daily below that low. Once could be a fake out, they start doing it more than once, and you likely have a trend change on your hands. But we also began discussing the fact that this pullback, even over the last few days, started looking different than the rest. The rest came down for a few days, had a nice bottom, and then they went back up. Here, instead of doing that, they had an opportunity to do that, but they didn't do that. Instead of going down for a few days and popping back up, they went down for several days, they went sideways for several days, now they're starting down again. That's a different makeup on the tape. It's a different look altogether. However, the different look doesn't mean they're not going to make a higher low and go back up again. So we use the 80-20 rule. We use the duck concept around the markets. If it looks like a duck, talks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's generally speaking going to be a duck. 80% of the time, the market does the same thing and the expected thing over and over and over again. 20% of the time, it does something different. As long as we understand and can recognize that stuff, we can take advantage of it one way or the other. So here, while we have a different look, the awareness escalates to this time could be different, yet it's not different until it is. Hopefully that makes sense. Here's how we're going to handle that. We're still going to use this low here on a daily closing basis. This is our Irene number. Capital I for our Irene number. So until or unless they close below there, then she's just doing the pullback thing and it just happened to look different this time. That's what we're going with until she shows us something different. Now let's talk about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday kind of stuff. Friday, they finished pretty much on the lows of the day. That could be enough in the short run, 
for a bounce coming into Monday. They never hit the big fat round number. It's very interesting. Let's take a look at what happened after the fact, after the closing bell, when everybody closed up their stuff, went home, turned off the computer, stopped looking at the market, all that stuff. Let's go see what happened in that time frame between the closing of the official bell ringing and then the aftermarket activity until the official close. Here, we're looking at the ES contract. It's a 15-minute chart. Here's the reason we're looking at it. The closing price at 4.15 when the futures close, regular closes at 4 o'clock, futures close at 4.15, closing print 44.15 on the button. However, the market kept trading. Here's another chart. This is not the pit session only. This is the around-the-clock stuff. And you can see before the official close, they made a run for the big fat round number of 4,400. 4,406.50 was the low, and that was made in between the 4.15 close and the official close by 5 o'clock. Here's the SPY chart, and the funny color, red and green, the bright green, this is the aftermarket activity. So here at 16.45, which is 4.45 in the afternoon, the low happens to be 4.40.07. Did they? Did they make a run for it, come up a few pennies short, and we're going to see the market spiking up by the opening bell come Monday morning? They've done that before. I've read this book before. There's a method to the madness, which is why I'm bringing it out over the weekend video. Could they have gone all the way down there before 4 o'clock? Absolutely. They didn't do it by design. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. My take is when you see something like that, and we can attribute this kind of stuff to the thieves in the night kind of thing. When you see that go on, it's the way the market kind of takes some of the trade away from the regular way retail small investor slash trader. For example, there's people holding puts over the weekend. They think they're going to get a nice, big, fat, juicy gap down on Monday. Maybe they get the opposite, accompanied by a pie in the face. We don't know that's going to happen, but when I've seen this kind of routine before, they come up to a big, fat, round number, pull up a few pennies short, next scene shows by the opening bell the next day or the next session, they're far away up north, away from that number. We don't know that will or won't happen, but let's take it a couple of steps further. What I want to do is let you inside my head. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm thinking, and then we're going to watch this thing over the next few days unfold together, and in each subsequent video, we'll make any adjustments necessary. We talk a lot about time and price. Time is more important than price. When the market's on time, we want to know that it's possible for a trend change. Well, guess what? There's not just one on time. And if, again, you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you should probably take the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. We discuss how time is more important than price, how we use time on the charts, how we identify when the chart is on time. Well, let's consider this for a moment. By Wednesday of this coming week, the market will again be on time. Now, let's go further with that. What's Wednesday? Wednesday is a couple of things. It's A, the culmination of a two-day Fed meeting. 
They're going to come out with an interest rate announcement, some commentary, some rhetoric. You're going to get a lot of whipsaw kind of stuff going on around that mid-afternoon announcement Wednesday afternoon. And that's the normal garden variety kabuki theater behavior. It's interesting that that culminates when the market's going to be on time. Okay, fair enough. What else is Wednesday? It's another important time period where we should be aware that we could see a high or a low. Now, we've been discussing this for several days. We've been discussing that around that day, if the market's trading up into that day, then we should look for a trend change in the opposite direction downward. If the market's trading down into that day, we could look for a trend change or a shift up in the northbound lane. Well, we've been going down. If the market goes down Monday and Tuesday, all of a sudden, should we begin looking for some kind of a trend change when it looks like they've opened up the black hole on Wednesday? You got the Fed meeting. Let's say there's another two days down after that. I don't know that there will or there won't be. This is one possible schematic we have to be looking at. If you have down Monday, down Tuesday, and down Wednesday or whatever Wednesday, if we get some kind of a shift going on during the session on Wednesday or after the Fed announcement, Wednesday late in the day, leading into Thursday, you have to look back and say, did we just make a pivot on time? Now, where does that pivot come from if, in fact, the market is making a higher low is a whole different ballgame. I'm not going to project where that pivot's going to be. We're going to wait and see where and if that pivot's going to materialize. If it's below the Irene number, that's one scenario. If it's above the Irene scenario, that's an entirely different circumstance. Here's another potential schematic. We talked about the fact that since we finished on the lows and they pulled that shenanigan nonsense at the end of the day on Friday down at the big fat round number, let's say they do get a bounce on Monday. That doesn't mean by Monday late in the day or Tuesday, they're not back down testing the lows from Friday or lower. Again, we don't know possible schematics. You have to have the information leading up to what might happen when we show up in uniform on Monday morning, ready to go. The whole idea is we do not, and I repeat, do not want to get surprised. Can we get surprised? Of course we can. But if we have the possible schematics, we're not going to be surprised. That's to the benefit of inside the number members who are trading the market intraday during the trading day, taking advantage of the intraday movements of not only the SPY, a variety of stocks, at times other indices like the IWM, potentially the SMH. If these things are coming into numbers, they're going to be on the board. Here's a snapshot of Inside the Numbers. I'm not going to spend time on Inside the Numbers. What I'm doing is I'm going to scroll around. I'm going to let you read the notes, go back to the charts to double-check the work. You can see where the proposed trades were. You could see what happened after the market went into the number, bounces away, all that stuff. Pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts to double-check the work. I want to make this video about the potential schematics. I want to look at other charts. I want to look at other markets. I want everybody to be as prepared as we can coming into this week.
Stocks on the move, TTE, Qualcomm, and letter X, U.S. Steel. The other two didn't hit their numbers. They were off the board. Do the homework for the benefit of time. We're going to focus this weekend video on the indices. But even though we're focusing on the indices, we also have to be aware of some of the most popular and widest held stocks across the market, namely Apple. What's Apple doing? Does it have relative strength or relative weakness? Or is it doing the same thing as the market? Now it's below its 50-day moving average, and you see where this line is. There should be garden variety support in and around 143, 144, somewhere in that neighborhood. My number is 143.90. Apple may be coming into a period of on time. However, we have to look at some of the longer term stuff and see if we can't draw any opinion whether there's confirmation or some kind of discrepancy from the daily chart. The weekly chart, the trend is your friend. There's nothing wrong with the weekly chart. Think about that same area right around this 143, 144 area. You see how the market ran up to this spot and then it was rejected. So that's the way that the market tells you that this spot right there is important. We don't have to know it's important beforehand. Now we have the benefit of seeing what the market did when it got to that spot. And guess what? It was rejected. So we know it's important. So we're going to use it later. This is the way it works. Now is later. This also is classified, as far as we're concerned, as a former breakout area. The market ran up, rejected, ran back up, and it broke out above that spot, and now it's coming back to run a test of that spot. Okay, fair enough. Back to the daily chart. Most people wouldn't want to buy a stock on the way down. They think it's going to go lower. That may be the case in some cases, and it may not be the case in others. Maybe, just maybe, a stock is heading to do something. Maybe it's heading to a destination. Maybe Apple is running a test of the former breakout area that we just discussed off the weekly chart. And if that's what it's doing, is it likely to find garden variety of support when it gets to that area? Under normal garden variety conditions, the answer to that question is yes. Food for thought. More food for thought. How about Microsoft on the weekly chart? You see this weekly chart breakup candle above all the moving averages. Let's say it comes down a little further. Do you think by the end of a week, they're going to want to fight or run a test of and play defense at that breakup candle low? And maybe it's not at the end of a week, but intro week. Well, let's just say the answer to that is yes. Let's just say the market gets killed a couple of days. Microsoft gets killed a couple of days. Another hypothetical. And let's say it comes down. Where is that breakup candle low? Right around 288, 289. Okay, well, let's mark that on the chart and let's do an exercise. We'll split the difference and we'll call it 288.50. What's it look like on a different chart? Ah, all of a sudden, it's interesting. So you have all this time here where they just went back and forth eating time off the clock. Okay, now on the daily chart, you got another breakup candle. The low is the same. So think about this for a second. You have an area where the market ran up to and it couldn't get through right away. It had to eat time off the clock. Then it went up, so it broke out. Here's a 50-period moving average. 
There's a breakup candle low. So if, and we don't know that they will, this is not that far away, but it's still 10, 12 bucks away. But let's say they're killing it for whatever reason. Now you have a 50 period moving average, a former breakout area, breakup candle, weekly chart breakup candle. Are they going to play defense? Who is they? The Bulls. Are they going to play defense in and around that area? And the answer under normal garden variety conditions is, of course they are. It's going to look terrible while they're going there, not just for Microsoft. And Microsoft is on its way to that spot. This is an if. We're doing the hypothetical thing. If they're on their way to that spot, other stuff is getting killed. The news is bad. You're thinking the market's going to go into the black hole. That's the way it works. Thought that was a good exercise using those two stocks. Now we'll go over and see what's doing in Camp IWM. They're still sandwiched. There's nothing going on here that wasn't going on the last few days. There's a convergence of a 120 period moving average. They're above the 50. They're close together. They're sandwiched in between. Keep it simple. Above 224, she can run up north. Below 219, she's going to fall down south. That's it. In between, chop shop formation. Of note, puzzle piece on the table. Now they've closed for the second week in a row back below the 20-week moving average. Again, we've talked about this a number of times. They're back and forth, back and forth. It's not really as important as most people might think, but it is a guideline, and closing below it certainly can't be bullish as opposed to closing above it. So we take it for what it is, and we say it can't be a positive, but we're not sure it's that much of a negative, and we're going to leave it at that. What else do we have in this weekly chart? Irene. They ran a test of Irene already. Running another test, the likelihood of a successful test is diminished. They've already ran a test. I wouldn't bet on a successful test the second time. What about the folks down at the transportation department? They're melting, they're dripping, they're going lower, they're hovering over the 200 period moving average, capped by the convergence of the 20 and the 50 period moving average. They just can't get up and go. They tried a couple of times. The farther away they get from 14,760, the worse it's going to get for the transports. Here's the way this works. So you have one of these bear flaggish kind of things. So here's your down move off of this breakdown candle. And now they basically went sideways. And here's the way it works. The longer they go sideways without breaking down, the farther the breakdown is normally going to be. The more time they eat off the clock, the longer the move out of that time eating off the clock scenario. No change to the numbers. 13,630 is a pretty good number where they should be able to get to with a couple of bad days in the market. Maybe not in two days, maybe not in three, but the general area around the 50 period moving average and that number is in fact support or should be support for the market or for the transports. You see it's a breakup candle low, there's a 50 period moving average, you've gone sideways from a symmetrical standpoint, and this is one, another one of those things that's taught in the course. What is market symmetry? Well, market symmetry is another module on the course where we can use market symmetry in, again, in addition to all the other things that we call a full stack, it's another item in the tool belt that helps us determine 
where the market A might be going, might be stopping, might be exhausted for reasons other people may just not know about. What about the Q people, the Silicon Valley folks? They finally have given up the 20 period moving average. What's the next area of interest? What's the next spot from a logical perspective where the market's going to find at minimum of intraday support? You can see it as clear as day. We'll use 369 as a generic number. Could be slightly higher, could be slightly lower, doesn't really matter. But here again, we have a full stack. Here it is. Breakup candle low. The low is 368.79. You have an area where the market ran up to and was rejected. Tried, rejected, tried, rejected, all right? Then it finally broke out. Now they're coming back and, oh, by the way, what's in the way? How about the 50-period moving average right here? Breakup candle low, 50-period moving average, former breakout area. If you're in the risk business, and this is what it is, we're in the risk business, and the market comes into a spot like that without eating too much time off the clock above it. Now, they've been eating time off the clock, but I don't think not too far above it. I'm thinking from a symmetrical standpoint, this should be supportive of the market if they came down there sooner than later. What we're talking about is the same concept of what happens between now and Wednesday of this coming week. If, in fact, the Qs found themselves around 369, around Tuesday, Wednesday of this coming week, I think it's a buying opportunity, if for nothing else, than a trade. It's a potential full stack on the docket. What about the XLF? They're dripping, they're going sideways, they're sandwiched in between the moving averages. Again, there's support below, and they've made a double top, and they haven't made another attempt. They're in no man's land. Here's no man's land. Here's support down in this general zone, and here's the former high, which was not too long ago. They're right in the middle. Are they going to try and make a run for the highs? Are they going to break down and find support down here, or are they going to go lower? We don't know the answer to any of those questions, so at present, we're just spectators in the XLF. About Smash Mouth, taken out behind the woodshed on Friday into what? The 20-period moving average. Until or unless they're below that 20-period moving average on a daily chart, closing basis, then there's nothing wrong with this chart. They've been trying to bust out to new highs. They got taken out behind the woodshed. Maybe it's a one-day wonder. Maybe it's not. If, in fact, the market starts up again on Monday, like we discussed early in the video, look for Smash Mouth to have a decent recovery above 273.50, and she's probably going to make another run for the highs. 273.50 should be garden variety overhead resistance. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense market analysis.